Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. At Marriage Helper, our mission is to save marriages and strengthen families. You can find out more by going to marriagehelper.com. That's, that's marriagehelper, H-E-L-P-E-R.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast as we put out new podcasts every single week that focus on how to save your marriage and strengthen your family. Pornography is a hot topic on today's society. And when it comes to your marriage and if marriages should use porn or not, that's been another huge debate that's been going around on social media, online, in conversations. And we have at Marriage Helper, we have entered into that conversation many years ago. We have some articles on our website that talk about the effects of pornography on marriage. And we have some other podcasts that we've done about the effects of porn on marriage as well. The goal of this podcast today, this one that we're doing right now, is not necessarily to to change your mind one way or another, but what we are doing in this podcast is we want to shed some light with an organization that is fighting to renew what love looks like and what it looks like overall, over across the world. There's an organization called Fight the New Drug, and their mission is to spread the message and to spread the facts about the effects that pornography has on people, on the heart, on the brain, and on society at large. They don't specifically work with marriages, but they definitely are fighting to save love and what love looks like going forward. There are some researchers right now, some sexologists in the sexology world that have been studying the effects that pornography has on marriages. And the when you boil it down and when you look at it, when a marriage in any way starts focusing on something or someone other than the spouse that you're in the marriage with, it can lead to issues in the marriage. Whether you're bringing someone else into the marriage or whether someone is focusing too much on a hobby or too much on alcohol or many other things like that, or whether the the person brought into the marriage is a person in real life or a person on screen, it can change the way that you interact with your spouse because marriage best happens with two people working together, bonding together growing in love together, and moving forward to having goals and dreams and aspirations together, which is what we talk about at Marriage Helper. But on today's episode of the Marriage Radio Podcast, we have the extreme honor of having Clay Olson, one of the founders of the organization Fight the New Drug, to talk about what Fight the New Drug is doing to help relationships and to help parents and and children move forward in opening that conversation about what pornography is, how to overcome the, that temptation, those, those effects that pornography has on relationships, whether it's within a marriage or within a parent-child relationship. 
Clay, we're so glad to have you on. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Clay, how did you get involved or start or have the idea for Fight the New Drug? Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's a great question. It's probably the most common question that I get because it's, it's not a normal path uh, that people follow in their, you know, when they're thinking about what they want to do with their lives. Uh, this is definitely not, was not on the short list for me, um, because it just, it, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, it's not a normal option for people. But, uh, when I was a kid, um, obviously dealt with kind of, uh, my own struggle with pornography as many adolescents do. Um, but it kind of hit even more close to home when my cousin, uh, who was quite a bit older than I was, uh, he, um, ended up, uh, acting out in ways that were very inappropriate and illegal and went to prison for a number of years. And when he got out, I asked him what led him to do those things. And he, he talked about the fact that it was the direct uh, result of his uh, struggle with pornography. And, uh, at this time I was a little older and bolder and I, and, uh, you know, pornography could lead someone to, to, to do these types of things. Uh, I, of course, not in every situation, but it, it did for him. And that was kind of rattled me. And uh, I was just leaving high school at the time and entering into college and wanting to do something with my life, wanting to make a dent and uh, uh, got in the right crowd and started talking with other guys that were, you know, interested in making a dent. And we kind of uh, came up uh, with this idea to help uh, individuals and particularly youth uh, understand what the potential risks are and hopefully give the pe- a lot of people uh, the opportunity to make educated decisions um, moving forward. And uh, th- so that's kind of what got me on the path. I thought it would be this like nice little side project because I had, I was an entrepreneur. I had started a creative agency. I was building that up. I had 40 employees. We were expanding nationwide and, and, um, and, uh, you know, and then this was going to be my little side thing to help, uh, help people. And, and it ended up taking over my life. And I left my company, sold out to my partners and went full time with fighting the drug about eight years ago. So wow. haven't looked back. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. So what is the stated mission of fight the new drug? Well, ultimately fight the new drug exists, as you said, to educate uh, young people on the harmful effects of pornography um, using science, facts, and personal accounts. Um, and we, we do that through a variety of different mediums. But, uh, you know, if we had to boil it down to a, a, a kind of its core purpose is to change the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the conversation around pornography, uh, especially among youth, uh, is that it's, you know, it's fine. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's get with the times, uh, and many even have been told that it's healthy and healthy outlet. And so, uh, this is the attitude of most uh, American uh, boys growing up and and girls growing up. And so, we we wanted to help change the conversation by providing some light um, into that space uh, using you know facts, things that we can all kind of uh, gather around and. And, uh, and, and agree with it, regardless of your background, regardless of your um, belief system or political views mm-hmm. or geographic location, we wanted to kind of break free of a morality conversation and bring it into the space of a public health conversation, a public health concern. And, uh, and that's what we've done. Mm-hmm. 
And I know that, you know, y'all have an amazing following that, that you have on Facebook, on social media, on all of the different formats of it. And really you, you have started to change that conversation and made it more of this isn't as taboo as it used to be. This isn't something that has to happen in the dark or that, um, you know, that we, that we have to hide from other people, which is really amazing. But do you still find that you're running into that, that pushback of, of people who would rather not talk about it or who who are even against what y'all are trying to do? (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Um, both, uh, uh, on both fronts, you know, we, we look at what we've accomplished and sometimes we have to pinch ourselves with what has, has occurred with kind of the growth of this, this effort, this movement that's gone way beyond our own hands and efforts. And, and so many people have taken it into their own hands and, and made this bigger than we could have dreamed. Um, but at the same time, so we're proud of that. We're excited about that. But at the same time, uh, we recognize that our, our, you know, from the, our inception, we knew that uh, we were kind of sticking, uh, uh, you know, a stick into the beehive a little bit, and, and we were going to uh, rile up some some opposition. Um, people were going to disagree with our uh, with our uh, perspective on uh, pornography's impact on individuals' relationships in society. People were going to disagree with our efforts, mm-hmm. um, and they were going to fight against us. And that definitely has occurred, and and does occur still. We're going to have people that uh, are afraid to talk about it, that they fully agree with the idea that pornography can be harmful, but the idea of talking about it is just, is, uh, you know, too much. And the idea of bringing that up into, uh, you know, within a family or at a school setting is just uh, scary. And so there's a lot of um, concern, but, but to, to be fair, um, that is ultimately the very essence of why we exist. Um, you know, when, when, uh, back in the day when everybody was smoked tobacco before it was, uh, you know, socially, uh, fully known and, uh, that, that tobacco had harmful impacts on individuals, uh, health, um, uh, back before science had caught up with that truth, um, you know, any efforts to, to, you know, tell people not to smoke didn't have a lot of weight and there was a font and it took 40 years for, for, uh, you know, society to, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, accept that those, those realities, uh, in that situation. So, it, you know, we're in a similar learning experience in our history today regarding the subject and topic of pornography. There will be pushback. Of course, there will any kind of change, social change, um, has, uh, you know, pushback. But we are seeing so much, uh, so many doors to open and so much a flood of research coming out, helping mm-hmm. us understand what's really going on. And it's a matter of time before, uh, as a society, we collectively just embrace this truth and, uh, the details of how we, uh, then go about the solutions might vary and differences of opinion. But, but our organization is simply out there to say, look, this is this is a concern for for all of these reasons, and we need to kind of start addressing that uh, uh, as individuals uh, within relationships and as a society. Absolutely, you know that's very similar to what we experience at Marriage Helper. We have maybe a mission that some people just don't completely resonate with, or you know, we we help affairs end and the marriages to stay together and different things like that, but. 
we also ground a lot of what we do in, well, what are the facts? What does the research say? What does the science say? How can we move, you know, a marriage from point A to point B to being better than it ever was before? But the the other the other part of this that I kind of want to dig in with you is how do you approach that person who they're looking at pornography that's it is affecting their marriage maybe there's a spouse listening to this and it's their husband or their wife who is looking at porn and they just don't know, they feel so helpless they feel like they don't know what to do next they don't want to just preach at their husband or their wife or just tell them that they're doing a terrible thing because that's not going to make anything better either so how do you then start that conversation with someone who is addicted to pornography yeah, and that's not an easy uh, thing to to kind of know how to navigate. It's very circumstantial to to what's occurring, but there are some core kind of uh, approaches that that we have seen work. First of all, um, when an individual is struggling with pornography, um, uh, many times uh, pornography is a symptom of, of of many other contributing issues in their lives. And so it's not just about ridding their life of pornography and all will be well. Uh, it's about kind of recognizing kind of some of the, the, you know, looking at the individual as a whole, looking at their life as a whole, and kind of starting to understand um, how, how you might assist uh, the, the improvement and the, the health uh, of other categories. Uh, again, um, pornography often manifests itself uh, with, with adults as they uh, really consume that and get compulsive with viewing that and it starts impacting their relationship because of, of a variety of uh, th- other things that might be contributing to that. Uh, so, so recognizing kind of the, the landscape that we're living in, recognizing the realities of today, the fact that it's so ubiquitous, the fact that it's so alluring, the fact that it's so, you know, uh, you know, in your face as far as, uh, and, and so much of the messages that are given to men um, about masculinity uh, kind of promotes the adoption and the acceptance of pornography and anything that deters from that is, is somehow unmasculine or, or not, um, you know, not in the mainstream. And so um, I think for some people, we just have to recognize that this is a, uh, this world that we are now living in, which is very different from the world even 20 years ago um, is, is pushing people from behind to, to struggle with pornography, to, to engage in this activity and to be accepting of it. Um, and so they have a lot of forces going that direction. And if you can kind of recognize that, that they are not broken, that they are not weak, that they are not somehow bad individuals, mm-hmm. that, they, that they are kind of uh, a victim of, of, of just so much uh, force in the world that they live, that uh, not not to take away from individual uh, choice and the consequences that that uh, follow from that, of course. But but I, it, it, it would at least, as it has for me, give you a perspective of, of empathy and and understanding to recognize. You know, I, I want to help them as a you know as a uh, as an individual in their corner, rather than uh, being kind of contrary or against uh, what they are. You know, uh, defining them as. Uh, bad or, or wrong, but rather separating them from their actions, their struggle, their addiction, and kind of stepping into their side of the, so on their side of the fence and working together to overcome things is, is a big piece. So loving them, especially if they, uh, if they're interested in overcoming their struggle, if, they're, they're, if they have 
the desire to overcome, then, then you know, love um, will, will be a, a primary uh, uh, factor in anybody's recovery, you know, having that support and that, that assistance from a loving and understanding and non-judgmental point of view is, is critical. Um, and, and I think that uh, together, uh, in that kind of a, a, a environment, in that context, together, you can kind of start to discuss um, uh, some of the some of the realities and, and learning together and advancing kind of your understanding about uh, some of these challenges that that pornography can bring into one's life, and and then you can start to kind of work together to fortify um, your relationship and and replacing things. It's not again, it's not just about. I love this quote by um, uh, 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 Dan Milma. He he wrote a book, and, and in it he said that. Um, uh, that the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And that's one of my favorite quotes. And so in a relationship, uh, we find that one of the most powerful things you can do is, is focus on building the new, the healthy, you know, focus on those new budding roots and those, uh, and, uh, of, of positivity and health. And, uh, rather than, you know, focusing so, uh, so kind of white knuckling toward the, the negative and the, the challenge. Um, so yeah, I think, I think love acceptance and, and, and working to build a new and replace the negative with healthy. And, and I think that, uh, uh, I think we have seen so many couples uh, and relationships, uh, find long-term long lasting freedom uh, and health. Um, if, if that's, uh, if that's the DNA that they're working with. Yeah. So I heard you say a, a couple of times about how, you know, when you're able to, to focus on them as a person and on loving them and on helping them get to that place where they have that freedom, they find that freedom, that's where a lot of real change happens. But can a person who is addicted to pornography, from, from the research y'all have done, from the people that you've worked with, do you see them, they can change their habits, but can you see them, have you seen them be able to overcome the lust? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, we talk about habits, um, you know, we, we uh, with what we do, we, we kind of look at that as outer change, right? You can, you can develop habits by, by kind of, uh, patterns and, and, uh, you know, schedules and routines, and you can develop habits of, of not doing something or doing something accordingly. And the brain kind of reinforces that over time as you, as you build those, uh, those, uh, grooves, those neurological grooves in your brain more uh, and, and build those to be more sustained. But you're talking about something different. You're talking about kind of core core change and core desire, you know, uh, so it's one thing to kind of, you know, stop a behavior, stop a pattern, but is that, is that core desire, um, changing as well, or is that core influence, uh, kind of shifting and, and, and moving towards, uh, something more, more healthy and more positive. And that is something that's more difficult to change. And if you focus exclusively on the outer change, um, to, to use our framework, uh, that, that will often lead you right back into a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and if you focus, uh, and, and, and I would say that the reverse can also be true. If you focus just on interchange, um, you, you need to also, you know, focus on those kind of behavioral elements, uh, because they, they influence the, the, they kind of work in tandem. And so, 
um, you know, changing inner desires is something that is more diff- difficult to get in get get down to. Um, again, outer is very surface, and but inner is is kind of your core core influences and desires. So, um, lust can can be a product of of someone's core desires, and and uh, and and. And as the, as you kind of replace that with more positive influences, you, as you work toward that with your partner, um, that, uh, that can subside as far as its influence over your life and its, its impact uh, on you. Now, uh, that's not to say that, uh, an individual will be void of any sort of temptation, uh, with something that's uh, attractive. We are biological creatures. We are sexual creatures. We, we have an interest in, in, um, in, in sexuality and that's healthy and that's positive and it's good. It's a wonderful thing. Um, but it, it but, uh, as we all know, it's misdirected and in negative ways. It can, can really uh, cause some challenges in one's, in one's life. And so we, we, we talk about the fact that, uh, that, uh, an interest in sexuality, um, it's not about ridding yourself of that. It's about kind of directing it towards something that's far more fulfilling, far more, um, uh, beautiful and, and vibrant than, um, and the alternative could ever provide. Absolutely. You know, at, at Marriage Helper, we have people that will come to us and, a lot of them come from different backgrounds and some of them have that background of they, they come into marriage thinking that pornography is wrong, having that belief system and believing that it's something they don't want in their marriage, that it's harmful. And so when they find out that their spouse might be engaging in it, it's very much a world-shaking situation for them. Whereas we also have people who we work with who they don't necessarily have that, that belief system that they come into the marriage with, but over time, they can find that there's some harmful effects of, of not focusing solely on your partner when, when you're talking about sex or having sex or, or having that discussion in your marriage. But when you start bringing other people into it, whether it's in real life or you know, on a screen, it just changes that way that you interact with your spouse inside and outside mm-hmm. of that relationship. Yes, absolutely. So if a couple were, were you know, contacting Fight the New Drug um, and they were just wanting some guidance, what would y'all say is that best first step a couple should take if they're wanting to overcome this, they're wanting to have a healthier sex life, they're wanting to be focusing solely on each other? What is that best first thing that they could do? Well, I, I think that it's uh, uh, um, one element of that that I would say is that the, that it, it comes from a kind of a state of mind uh, addressing this. Um, if, if both parties are kind of, um, you know, to, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, humble in their uh, approach to this, that they are, that they are um, willing to the larger uh, aspect of healing this. Again, when, when an individual uh, relationship uh you know uh, it's usually an aspect in the relationship that's causing harm 
or or that is that is needing um, some form of repair. And and so it's it's not just looking down a one way street at, at an individual that uh, um, that might be manifesting it through you know acting out and looking at pornography. But there are some things that the, the, the couple as a whole will be uh, entertaining and exploring. And so both individuals need to come at this with love, um, and empathy, and understanding and humility to kind of like uh, address this uh, in a in a in a powerful way. When you know selfishness and pride and other things kind of come into that, and and stubbornness, that that's where you know uh, recovery becomes very difficult for for any side of that fence. So, um, so kind of maintaining that state of mind moving into this, and then um, I, you know I, I would say you know one thing that I would want to tell the, the the couples is that you know this can often be a subject, especially if they've been kind of struggling with this for some time you know, privately, uh, uh, you know, between the two of them kind of, you know, arguments and this and that. And then they're finally coming out to speak with, you know, our organization or other organizations out there. You know, it's, it's usually something that's several steps down the road when they finally come out and need to want to talk to somebody about it. But, but, um, but to those individuals, I would say, you know, it can often be uh, very heavy, very dark, very gloomy. Um, like the, like the road to, to kind of get back to where they once were uh, seems impossible, and um, and there's a there's a lot of depression that 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 kind of uh, surrounds these issues, uh, and there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of skepticism as to whether it can be healed, and I'm sure you see that. Um, but I, what I would say um, to them is that there is a lot of hope. The fact that they're here, the fact that they we're talking is a wildly positive sign and that we are, you know, we are, uh, the, the, the end of the road is not, you know, we're not here yet, but, but uh, so many have come down the same path and found, you know, uh, uh, you know not only a renewed commitment and, um, and uh, sustained love uh, for that partner or relationship, but uh, many times it even strengthens them and to, to, to an even stronger um, couple, to be an even stronger couple. And so I would say to them right off the bat that, that, if, you know, that there's a lot of hope and uh, positivity and the, the, the step that they've taken already is, is a huge sign and that uh, it doesn't have to be all gloomy. It doesn't have to be all dark and heavy that there's, there's a lot of light ahead of them. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I, I want to ask one final question for you. There's a lot of people who yeah. are going to be listening to this in our audience and they have kids and, you know, that the average age of the children that the, our podcast listeners have is anywhere from eight to 14. And that is so actually kind of old in now in nowadays terms of when they're first exposed to pornography. So for these parents where maybe they're dealing with children now who are being exposed to it on their phones or on the internet in multiple ways, what is the advice you give to parents of how to deal with that in this culture? Well, yeah. And, and I have a, an hour and a half long presentation that I give just to oh. parents who address that, that one question, but uh, to kind of sum that up <laughs> as best as I can, um, I would say, you know, first of all, and I mentioned this earlier with the spouses as well, um, or, or, or the part 
or of some sort going, first of all, you have got to realize as parents that this is a different world than you grew up in. And that, uh, the, you know, I, when I hear uh, of somebody that uh, maybe graduates high school and that they haven't struggled on some level with pornography, um, I, you know, I, I'm extremely skeptical. I'm like, I don't believe it. Because today, it's not a question of if, but when and to what degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, they live in a world where, uh, even more so for adolescents, they live in a world where they're dealing with this to an intensity and scale that no other generation before them has ever had to, period, across the board. And so there's got to be, from the standpoint of a parent, a more kind of understanding. You find that your kid has been viewing pornography, or you catch them viewing pornography, or you discover somehow... If you react, if you overreact and get, you know, because of, because uh, you are more educated on the topic, you know that they can, what it can lead to. And so if you react in this very, you know, hysterical way, that is, um, for obvious reasons, not going to be very um, uh, helpful in, in addressing this long term with that child. So, you know, again, empathy, understanding that this, that your golden child that's on the honor roll, that's very involved in school and extracurricular, if they come to you, if you discover they're struggling, that you thought, oh, never, not that person, never going to happen. Just recognize this is very common. And that, uh, and again, there's a lot of hope uh, for, for youth. And so, so uh, an understanding, this is a different world that they're growing up in. And then secondly, I would say that uh, there's a lot of ways that you can address this. First of all, this is not a one-time conversation. This is not a birds and the bees. The idea of a one-time birds and the bees conversation, take that, bottle it up, throw it out the window, never think about it again. This is something that's ongoing, layered. It starts before you think, as soon as they have an internet connection or access to the internet, sooner than you think, and then on into their adulthood. And it's layered and it's, and it's, and you're going to make it natural. You're going to use everyday experiences like you're driving past a billboard and it's showing some, you know, uh, something that's obviously not pornography, but it's definitely uh, highly sexualized. And you're going to use that. And you're going to say, hey, how do you think that that portrays um, women? How do you think that portrays women? Do you think that's healthy for relationships to X, Y, or Z, whatever it is? But you're going to use these opportunities Rather than, you know, these, this one-time big event with popcorn and slideshows, you're going you're gonna, to, you know, harness uh, everyday opportunities, uh, driving the car, conversations, where you can, you can talk to them about what's healthy and what's not. And if that's all you do as a parent, if that's all you do where they leave for college and they have an, uh, an actual, you know, framework as to what is healthy and what is unhealthy, they're going to be worlds ahead of most of their peers because right now, Media uh, and, and and the world uh, is is kind of mixing healthy sexuality and unhealthy sexuality all into one mixed up muddy bucket, and it's really hard for youth to distinguish. Um, and we see that in the tens of thousands of emails that come in to our organization, talking about kind of their their ideas about what uh, intimacy should look like, their ideas about what love is and looks like um and it has been shaped and warped according to what they have been consuming um on a regular basis so parents have to not not should have to must engage must get involved um because if you don't the industry is doing a very good job at educating your child but just not in the way that you would mm. would you, you would like so 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 yeah i mean uh, there's so much more to talk about there but i, I would definitely say that 
this is an issue different, uh, unique, and that uh, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of kids do, uh, you know, fighting for, for real love and positivity. We're seeing that across the world. And, and, uh, and it's, it's in the same vein, it's not all dark and gloomy as well. Right. And, you know, Clay, it is, it is a fight. I know that you're familiar with the most recent research from some of the leading sexologists in the world who have been conducting studies, and it is their prediction that in the next 50 years, marriage will be extinct because of pornography and because of the expectations, the false expectations that pornography is putting on sexual relationships and how that looks inside of marriage. And so... You know the fight that yeah. the fight that you're doing at Fight the New Drug isn't too different than the fight that we're doing at Marriage Helper of right. how are we gonna how are we going to save what love really is and what it looks like yes. going forward. Yes, yeah. Right. Ultimately, we all, we all want to fight for love. Absolutely. It has been amazing having you on, and we could unpack so much more. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. So many good things, um, and maybe we can schedule a time to come to come back and, and do another one just about the how it affects children. Such a huge issue. Yeah. But um, tell our audience where people can find more about fight the new drug, where they can find more about the fight that you're doing, and how they can get involved. Yeah, so our our website is found at fightthenewdrug.org or .com, and uh, we have a lot of great resources on there. A lot of ways to get involved everything for, for youth. We have an app that you can download to kind of engage and win awards. Uh, we, you know, uh, follow us on social media, fight the new drug, uh, on all the different platforms. And there's, we were constantly coming out with new content, new, new ammunition, uh, to, for the fighters to go out and change the conversation. Um, and, uh, and, and if you are struggling, if that is something you're dealing with, there are a lot of different resources you can turn to. One of which is a program that we've created called the fortify program, found at fortifyprogram.org and that uh that program is free for youth and it's uh kind of a uh step toward recovery for many individuals over uh 70,000 individuals in 155 countries are currently enrolled in that program so Amazing. uh it's 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 something that uh there's a lot of resources out there and more and more coming out every day Amazing Clay, thank you so much. And we look forward to, to getting involved in this fight and, and helping these people who are listening um, help their children, help their spouses, and ultimately help their marriages. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being with us this week. Again, I'm Kimberly Holmes, the CEO of Marriage Helper. And if there's anything that we can do for you to help you fight for your marriage, please contact us. You can go to marriagehelper.com, see our articles, see different things that we offer there, or you can give us a call at 615-472-1161. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear what we have to say each and every week to help you fight for your marriage. See you next week.